Welcome to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. This is Pint Glass Football, drink beer, talk NFL and college football. I'm your host, Brad Fowler, and McKenzie Brewing is the official beer of Pint Glass Football. Follow them at McKenzie Brewing. Follow us at pintglassfootball.com. If you're new to the show, hit that subscribe button. What's up, PGF Nation? Got a special bonus episode for you guys today. I had the opportunity to talk with Cooper Patagna from 24-7 Sports. We go over some of the top-ranked recruiting classes and some of the highest-rated prospects, some great insights from one of the best in the business. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And just so you know, Alex and I will be back next week with another regular episode, like always, drops on Thursday. Excited to be joined by Cooper Patagna, who's a national recruiting analyst at 24-7 Sports and a co-host of 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Cooper, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you having me, Brad. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to jump into some college football recruiting. A lot going on right now, a lot of movement in the world of recruiting. Want to jump in and talk about some of these big classes, some of these top-ranked classes and top-ranked players. Let's start with the defending national champs, the Georgia Bulldogs. They're putting together another impressive recruiting class highlighted by five-star quarterback Dylan Rayola. Tell us about his game and, and some of the other key recruits for Georgia. Sure. Yeah. So he he is prototypical uh, of of what you're looking for. A lot of the pro comparisons with him have been Patrick Mahomes. You know, we're always I think a little bit slow to to compare prospects, especially at the age of 17, to the multiple time MVP winner of the NFL. But uh, both have baseball backgrounds, which I found fascinating. You know, Dylan Rayola's father, Dominic Rayola, was an All American at Nebraska, played offensive line second round draft pick of the Detroit Lions and actually played 14 years for him. So he's got some NFL genes as well. He's got a sister uh, who plays volleyball at TCU. So genetically, he's what you're looking for. And then you get around him a little bit, 6'3", 220 pounds. He carries his weight exceptionally well. He's actually trimmed down, I think, 15 or 20 pounds here uh, over the last couple of months. So he looked really good at Elite 11 in terms of the skill set, you know, it's kind of the modern NFL quarterback, a guy that can make plays not only in the structure of of, of the pocket, but off platform as well. And he's got an elastic arm. Uh, He can make every throw on the field. And I think the biggest thing with him is his ability to play with touch in the deep third. I mean, his accuracy there, I think is, is pretty uncanny. So we like the player a lot. I think we really love the, the potential. He's on his fourth program in three years. So that's a, it's a little bit of a red flag when you start to dive into him a little bit. But outside of that, got to be around him at the Elite 11 Finals in Los Angeles and like the way he carries himself. And he's going to have a big challenge ahead of him this year at Buford High School in Georgia. And then certainly after that, playing for Kirby Smart. But I, I like the challenge and the fit of him and, and his skill set, a unique skill set going to the SEC. Yeah, when you look at this Georgia team, what they've been able to do recently, obviously the national championships, but the recruiting has been a big part of their success. The amount of talent this program has continued to bring in these last several years, cranking out NFL draft picks, first-round picks, so much talent. And they did this recent, these recent national championships, as we know, with Stetson Bennett. And nothing against Stetson Bennett. I know he's a very solid college quarterback, 
But to bring in a guy like this with this type of ceiling on a team with this many weapons and high-level coaching, that's just scary to think about how good this program could be in the years to come. Well, it's funny, you know, you look at Georgia and you look at the years past, right? It, it, it's not like they haven't had talent at the quarterback position. You think back to to guys like JT Daniels, you think back to guys like Justin Fields as well. Even before that, they had Jacob Eason and then it was guys like Jacob Fromm, right? <laughs> that, that come in and then all of a sudden, those are the guys, guys like Stetson Bennett as well, who who played himself from a walk-on all the way to a fourth-round draft pick. So I think we should give Stetson Bennett a little bit more credit. But I think you're right. I, and, and the other thing I want to bring to attention here is that, you know, Georgia's taken two quarterbacks in this class. And the other quarterback is a guy by the name of Ryan Puglisi out of the state of Connecticut, who also has a baseball background as well. And he was at the Elite 11 Finals, too, in L.A. He can spin it a little bit. And there's one thing that Kirby Smart has proven in his time as a head coach at Georgia is he's going to play the quarterback that gives the Bulldogs the best chance to win. So regardless of preconceived notions or what your ranking was coming out of high school, that's not going to factor in at all. So that's going to be interesting to watch. I I know you asked me maybe to highlight some other names as well. Ellis Robinson uh, out of IMG Academy by way of Connecticut. I mean, he's pretty special, 6'1", 185 pounds. This is a guy, he's the number one corner in the country for a reason elite tester but what we've seen out of him in person he's got all the goods and i think a guy that certainly projects well to the next level is going to play for fran brown uh will muschamp involved in that secondary as well more with the safeties but in terms of the coaching development kirby smart also has a background there as well and you mentioned it earlier i mean 25 draft picks over the last two years that's more than any other team in the modern football uh modern nfl draft era so Georgia right now, they have the formula for what they're looking for. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. They go out, they get guys that fit the criteria at every single position, not only on the field, off the field as well. They're stacked, man. I mean, you go Rayola, Ellis Robinson, they got Demarcus Riddick, the linebacker out of Alabama. They took three out of the top five linebackers last year in the 2023 cycle. So Glenn Schumann, the linebackers coach, is, is doing a great job there. Jaden Riddell, the tight end. I mean, Todd Hartley, you look at that room, what they got, you know, Oscar Delp, uh, some of the other guys they got coming in, Lawson Lucky as well, and Brock Bowers. I mean, he seems like he's been primed to play in the NFL since he was a freshman. So you can go a lot of different ways with Georgia and what they've done already in this 2024 class. But, I mean, what they got cooking, it's it's pretty special. Yeah, there is no doubt about it. This train looks like it is still heading right along, and I don't see anybody getting in their way anytime soon because of the talent that you mentioned that they just keep reloading with so many talented guys. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the SEC and, of course, nationally, it looks like, for years to come. Now, staying in the SEC, Florida is making some noise with a big-time class led by guys like defensive end Jamonta Walker and quarterback DJ Lagway. Tell us about those guys and maybe some other key players for this Gators squad. Yeah, DJ Lagway is an intriguing one. You know, he's only 10 and 10 as a starter. He's a guy that I, he was around 55% completion rate as a sophomore, 67% as a junior. So we, we saw the uptick there over 10 percentage points. He's also got a multi-sport, multi-sport background, excuse me. And when you see him, He's physically different than any other quarterback, including Dylan Rayola in the class. I mean, he is a broad frame, carries his weight exceptionally well, very lean, and he has a rocket for an arm. I know we hear that a lot, but I mean, this is a guy that has a lot of vertical arm strength. Now, the thing with DJ Lagway is 
the nuance of the passing game is where it's got to improve. And it really starts with his base and his feet that he's got to clean up in terms of his mechanics. And I think that's going to help him improve his accuracy. Now, you know, when you get in a setting like the Elite 11 with DJ Lagway, I think that setting is built to kind of expose where DJ Lagway is in his development. Now, when you turn on the tape, there's a lot to like, and it's there's a lot that's really kind of hard to quantify, but he's a big athlete that moves very well, very nimble. And then as a runner, he's somebody you, you got to respect as well. I, I like his presence in the pocket. He's a gamer to me. So I think he's wired the right way. And if he can kind of clean up some of those things that we talked about, I think this guy can be uh, one day in the conversation to be a first-round draft pick. Now, the other guy that you mentioned was Jamonte Waller out of Picayune uh, Memorial High School in Mississippi, and he's a fascinating one. He's 6'2", 225 pounds. I'm not even sure if he is 6'2". He might be a little under that, but we got to see him in Atlanta at the Under Armour Combine in February. There's not another pass rusher in the country that plays with more intentional purpose than Jamonte Waller, and what I mean by that is when you're on the shorter side, everything matters, right? Your body coordination matters, your leverage matters, your speed to power matters, your hand placement matters. When it comes to Jamonte Waller in playing with very little wasted motion and playing with very high-level technique, I mean, that's what he does. Now, at the end of the day, we're not going to put you in the top 32 unless we think you got a chance of being drafted as a first-round draft pick. So uh, he had 11 and a half sacks last year. Uh, we love the way he moves. We think he's a proactive pass rusher. And he goes against the grain a little bit, but he kind of reminded us of Brandon Graham, you know, who went in the first round all those years ago for the Philadelphia Eagles. He still played his, his whole career in Philly, and he was a little bit of a tweener as well. So we've seen it done before. That gives us a, a little bit of confidence going forward. And we thought Jamonte Waller is a guy to take a shot on. And listen, Billy Napier, for a lot of different reasons, has kind of been in the news. And the majority of the time since he's been in Gainesville, it hadn't been all good, right? What they're doing with not only what they did in 2023, but what they're doing in 2024, you got to give him a ton of credit. I, I love what Florida is building. I think for if you're a Gators fan is, do you have the patience, right, if this year does not go the way that you hope it would go on the field? So we'll see what happens. But in terms of the future, two, three years down the line, I'm, I'm definitely buying capital. Something you said there I thought was really interesting. You gave us a little peek behind the curtain there, mentioning that these top guys are projected out as potential first-round picks. I think that's really interesting. As we know, these are high school guys just entering college, and you guys are already kind of looking that far in advance and projecting out how good these guys can be. I really love that. That was a, a really cool insight there. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, our whole scale is actually built on where we – the rankings process, and we got to do a better job of, of educating the public on this. And I'm glad you asked about this, but – you know, it reflects the NFL draft model. There's 262 draft picks in the NFL draft almost every year. There's 247 players that we have in the top 247. So there's a little bit of blend of the NFL model and entertainment there. But the five stars, there's only 32 of them, just like there would be 32 first round draft picks for every NFL team and then so on and so forth. 33 through 64, second round, 65 through 105, the third round and so on and so forth. So that's what we're trying to do. And every round, you're going to find different things, right? At the top of the NFL draft, it's going to be a blend of production and potential. And depending on the position, sometimes premium positions, second round, you're going to find guys that maybe, and uh, not in our sense, but maybe guys that are more ready to play high floor players, but don't have that first round superstar potential. 
And then you just kind of go down the list. So that's the filter that we're looking at. That being said, it's it's far from an exact science, right? I mean, we're always critiquing, evaluating, self-reflecting, looking at the draft data, looking at the things that project the Sundays. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of questions we can't answer, right? We, we, we don't have the level of investment from a psychological standpoint that the NFL would have when it comes to behavioral background, character, so on and so forth. So <laughs> there's a lot to, that, that goes into it, but it's like I like to remind people, it's a, it's a very imperfect process. Yeah, it definitely is. And we see it at the NFL draft every year, too. We see half these guys pan out, end up being good, high-level starters, and then half the guys end up out of the league within a few years. It's definitely an inexact science, but you guys do a great job projecting these guys and looking ahead. I thought that was some really, really cool insight there. Now, Cooper, I want to jump to the Big Ten here for a minute. Michigan is a team that obviously has had a lot of success in recent years making back-to-back college football playoffs. They've got some some momentum as a program, and it's showing up in recruiting because they've got a top-five class right now and a five-star quarterback of their own in Jaden Davis. Tell us about him and this class for Michigan. Yeah, I like Jaden Davis a lot. You know, he he's a guy that's probably – he, he, he's a high floor prospect. And what I mean by that is I think he translates well sooner rather than later at the next level. Now, in terms of Sunday potential, I think that's, that's a discussion to be had. I think there's a lot of different people behind the curtains at uh, on our side of the fence that view Jaden Davis differently in terms of what he's going to look like as an NFL prospect. But in terms of Saturday, I think a lot of people agree that he's going to be a really good player for Michigan. He is a excellent short to intermediate passer. And I think a lot of people look at that and they say, well, maybe that's a knock. I mean, that's where the game's played, right? And he's going to play for Jim Harbaugh, Sharon Moore, and he's going to play for an offensive line that has won the Joe Moore Award the last two years. So in terms of the hardware, he's going to play for the best offensive line in the country. So I think he's going to an excellent spot. He's another guy that made a huge jump statistically uh, from his sophomore to his junior year, 13-1 and one as a starter, I believe, as a junior. Gatorade Player of the Year in, in North Carolina, Max Preps Player of the Year in North Carolina as well. And Outside all the accolades, I mean, he's a Michigan man. He's hired the right way or wired the right way. And a guy that I think kind of fits their culture, what they want to do, and more importantly, fits them schematically. And I think he is going to be the perfect complementary arm for them and what they what they're want to do offensively. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think what you hit on there with Michigan and the culture and Harbaugh and what he's built there, we've seen it basically every stop now for Harbaugh. He has kind of a system and culture and a style of play that he wants to have. And he's looking to find guys that fit into that scheme and into that mold. And if this guy is one of them, it looks like it could be a great fit. It sounds like it's going to be a great fit. That'll be really interesting to see him up there in Ann Arbor. Now, Michigan's rival, Ohio State, sits near the top of the rankings again this year. They continue to be a wide receiver factory, and they've landed five-star wide receiver Jeremiah Smith. First off, how special is this kid, and who else should Buckeye fans be excited about? (laughs) Well, my buddy Andrew Ivins, who's the director of scouting, that's who I do the podcast, uh, with at 24-7 Sports. I mean, he he thinks Jeremiah Smith is generational. I won't go that far. I love Jeremiah Smith. I've seen him in person. I've seen him live. I think he's going to be a heck of a player, a dominant player on Saturdays and a very good player on Sundays. Uh, so Ohio State, I mean, in terms of what they got coming in, 
he's second to none in, in this cycle, what we've seen in 2024. And, you know, you take the positional value out of it. This is just me personally. I probably have it. I, I would have him as the highest graded player in the class. So that is what I think personally of Jeremiah Smith. I don't think that's too far-fetched at all. Uh, in terms of what they're bringing in around him, I mean, Mylon Graham's another guy, right, who we got ranked very, very high uh, out of Indiana and a guy that can certainly go. Air Nolan, you know, somebody's got to get Jeremiah Smith, Mylon Graham, and, and a handful of other guys the ball. So Air Nolan is a winner, and that's what Ohio State looks for at the quarterback position. I know a lot of teams will say they look for that trait, but I think that's something that Ohio State really does key in on in Air Nolan. Between the years, I just love him. I mean, the way he carries himself, very confident, but a, a very calm, competitive temperament. I think he's going to fit right in. They picked up Bryce West today or yesterday, the cornerback out of Ohio. Long, reactionary corner, I think fits into what they want to do. I think he can play sooner rather than later. He's going to have to get in the weight room a little bit, but we kind of saw that same thing last year with Malik Harford. So they've done a good job in you know Ohio State in terms of like knowing who they are. They, they know their self-identity better than any other team in the country. They know their boundaries, and they don't have a lot of them, but they don't go outside of them, whether that's geographical restrictions or limitations or whatever that is. And in the day and age of NIL era where it's, it's really easy to step in the mud, they do a good job of staying clean and staying in their lane and just doing what they do. So they're stacked, man. I mean, I, I think pound for pound. They're the number two class in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings, but you can make a case that they, they got the best. Yeah, we know that this is a program that has recruited at a level that very few programs do. It looks like they're continuing that trend here. That's pretty exciting and some pretty high praise there, especially from your partner there about Jeremiah Smith. I'm sure that's got Buckeye fans really excited to hear that. Now, a couple surprises for me when I look at the 24-7 team rankings. I'll start first off with Alabama, ranked right now in the 30s. This is a team under Nick Saban that we know usually finishes with a top five class. So what's the story right now with Alabama's recruiting? Yeah, only nine commitments. You know, Texas is down there too in the, in the low 50s. And I think I, w- I was featured in a story talking about Washington recruiting as well. I mean, like a week ago, they had one commitment. Uh, as of today, it's 637. I think they have 10 or 11. So a lot of people are putting in a lot of marbles in the month of June, right, in terms of the official visits. And I think that's what we're starting to see. Alabama's only got nine right now. Julian Sands, a guy for us that we love. He was the Elite 11 MVP. Uh, he continues to improve his stock. Jalen Mbakwe, another guy at corner. He's a two-way, really like him, one of the most dynamic athletes in the country. But in terms of Alabama, listen, I've been doing this long enough. I also worked at Alabama to know that they're pretty methodical in their approach. And I think, you know, it 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 is notable that they're outside of the top 25, but typically at the end of the day, I mean, we're talking about like last year, I, I remember, I think we had this conversation, like what's going on with Alabama? And then in December, the conversation changes to can Alabama end up with the top ranked class in college football history, right? So if I've learned anything, it's never count out Nick Saban and and listen at this point. I, I would fully expect Alabama to get theirs maybe just uh, a little bit slower of a matriculation to the to the finish line. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it seems like more and more we're starting to see. I remember in some recent years where we've seen some big five-star guys sign in early July and mid-July. And, and like you said, th- these teams can make a big push here before the recruiting ends. So 
The Crimson Tide fans, no need to hit the panic button just yet. It sounds like they have still are working on some things and probably going to finish with a strong class, I'm sure, like most people expect. Another surprise for me is Stanford, sitting just outside the top 10 right now, a program that's been down the last few years. How have they put together such a strong class this year? They flipped the script, and Troy Taylor came over from Sacramento State. I don't think a lot of people had this on their bingo card that Stanford would be in the in the top 12 come June 28th, but he's done a really good job. And I'll say this, with my time in the Pac-12, Stanford is legitimately one of the uh, either the top or second most daunting program to face on the trail in the Pac-12, and maybe behind USC. And that's not a shot at Dan Lanning. It's the power of the degree. And I think what Stanford has done, as opposed to what David Shaw did during his tenure, is that they haven't sped up the admissions process, but they're more in lockstep in terms of alignment between the university. And I think they're doing a really good job of proactively selling the university uh, and educating prospects on, hey, what is this admission or admissions process going to look like? So they've done a good job there, and they've identified guys that fit. Stanford. Stanford is not for everybody. Elijah Brown, 29-1 and as a starter, top 247 quarterback. He popped for them. That's a big one. Dylan Stevenson, they go all the way to the state of Florida, pull him out. That was a guy that was highly contestant recruitment. And they've done a really good job on the West Coast as well. So Emmett Mosley, another receiver there uh, that they got. And, they, you know, they you talk about why it's so important to be self-aware and kind of know who you are. They've They've just done a good job on recruiting guys to their program that are recruitable and are going to pick up the phone, but are good football players and academics important. So you got to live, you got to give a ton of credit to Troy Taylor and the job that they've done so far. Yeah. It's really impressive because of the academics. Obviously there's some restrictions there on who they can recruit compared to a lot of other schools in the country. But I think what you said there really landed because them knowing kind of who they are and their brand, knowing that it's a certain type of player that's going to play at Stanford is really interesting. And they look like they've honed in on those guys and are putting together a heck of a class. So that's that's got to be exciting for them. Like I said, a program that's been a little bit down recently, but maybe could be bouncing back if they keep this up on the recruiting level. Now, I want to stay out West. Oregon and USC, it looks like they're battling to be the best programs on the West Coast. And both have top eight classes right now. Tell us about some of the key guys, some of these key players for Dan Lanning and Lincoln Riley that they've recruited so far. Yeah, well, I'll start with Oregon in in the job that they've done. I think Dan Lanning is putting something together that's pretty special for the long run. I mean, I I think Oregon is looking to build sustainability in in terms of being a college football contender. And I think they're well on their way of doing that. Uh, But they've done a really good job on the West Coast, four guys from California, three guys from from Oregon, two from Arizona. So they know who they are. I know I kind of keep bringing that up and that's that's kind of the theme a little bit, but they also have the power to go east as well. That's kind of what makes them dangerous. They're a national brand. So a guy like Ife Obadegwu from St. Francis Academy, a long, rangy corner, physical uh, at the line of scram- uh, scrimmage. And then they go Aaron Flowers from Texas, a uh, big physical safety, downhill run support defender, like him a lot. Michael Van Buren, Obadegwu's teammate out of St. Francis Academy. Uh, and it's a two-quarterback two year for, for Oregon. Um, one of the guys I really like, Zadavian Sims from Oklahoma, 
these are the type of players that they need to hit on. I think are guys that are maybe a little bit underdeveloped, but have a lot of developmental upside. And Zadavian Sims certainly kind of fits the bill there. So they've done a really good job. I love what they did last year. Dan Lanning is not only a very good recruiter, but I, I don't think he gets enough credit maybe because the sample size is too small, but I really like the job they did in 2023. And then you take into consideration what they did in the transfer portal. He, he's got it going over there. So like what Oregon's done, when you take a look at USC, man, I, to me, the biggest thing about them this year is what they've done at offensive line. And you got Jason Zandamella from Florida, originally from Mozambique uh, in a rug, rugby player background, and has only been playing football for two years, right? And I think he's got a chance to to be an elite center, not only on Saturdays, but I love the way he projects to Sundays as well. So they pick him up. I thought that was a big one. Outside of that, they go to Hot. Colorado for a guy like Hayden Treader uh, on the offensive line, 6'6", 300 pounds. Go to Texas for uh, Makai Sena, an interior offensive lineman. And then Manasseh Atite is a guy that I really like, big, physical, long, can play tackle, see him sliding into guard uh, at some point in his career. And then, I mean, there's just, there's there's a lot. I mean, you go down the list, I like what USC has done, uh, and they just keep loading up the receiver position, but I got to give Dante Williams, the defensive back coach, a lot of credit as well. Marcellus Williams, Dakota Fields, they're in it tough for Zabian Brown. So they're they're just kind of dialed right now. I know a lot of people say, oh, they're, you know, they're more transfer portal U, but what they're doing at high school kind of seems more of USC of old. Yeah, it certainly does. When you rattle off all those names and all the things they're doing, we've seen the impact that these two coaches have made for these programs so quickly. It's pretty impressive, and a lot of it does start with recruiting and a lot of key players that they've brought into those programs. Man, I'll tell you, this has been an absolute blast. I am so excited for some college football after talking about this. We're in the dog days of summer, but recruiting is red hot right now, and it has been so much fun to have Cooper Patagna once again on the show, guys. He's a national recruiting analyst at 24-7 Sports, and check out his podcast. He's the co-host of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting podcast it's a great listen and this has been great having you on thanks again cooper for coming on the show thank you brad anytime thanks for listening to the pint glass football podcast be sure to subscribe and follow us on twitter at pgf podcast